secret friends unite! Welcome to the Secret Friends Unite podcast, episode 442. This is your guide to the geek side, and I am one of your hosts, Todd Oxtra, reigning champs of Shakopee High School who beat their rivals this week. Uh, I believe it was 35 to 7. So good job, what? Sabres. My uh, EGR Pioneers, of which I actually have been wearing a shirt. This was in uh, a, a school icon, uh, was, a, was a janitor we had that passed away a number of years ago. So I got the shirt for free as an, an alumni event. Uh, but yeah, we kicked the butt of Lowell. That was a, a not, not a big local rivalry, but it was a real blow. It was 42 to, I think, 6. Yeah, it was like, wow. Um, I, I, I enjoy high school football, my high school, because I walked to it. I've talked to it in the past. I've talked about that in the past. I just walk up to the game. So that's fun. I think my high school is- doesn't even exist anymore, Charlie. Now it's Lapeer High School because they merged oh. them. So my high school is a uh, page in time that no longer wow. exists. The Panthers well, are they- gone. The Eagles of Lapeer East are gone. And now they are the Lapeer Lightning. So what are they schools are the- essentially gone. What do they do with the building? They just blow it up. <laughs> Well, the old building I was in, my high school, was from like 1950, 19, oh, it was a very old so. building, and to oh, resurrect bye-bye. it, the way it was, but, so they ended up, everyone go, went to, I think they now are 12, 10, and 11th grade at the Lapeer East High School, and oh, okay. they've moved kids around, yeah, Lapeer is gotcha. a shrinking community, as a lot of yeah. communities in Michigan are. Uh, very so, true, yeah, yeah, because we're so so industrial-based, that it can go like that, so, but here in Michigan, you know, here in, in GR, where I live, a lot of it is medical technology so it's growing so which is nice but anyway hey we didn't talk about the weather no we did not i call that that progress it's an improvement Um, yeah absolutely well hey we're back good good to see everybody i'm charlie your other host uh and let's get let's get this ball rolling by first of all talking about the fact that it is day 140 of the writers and day 170 of the actor strike only 70 charlie oh 70 what did i say did I say 170. that? 170. <laughs> it feels that way, doesn't it? Of the it uh, WG, WGA and SAG after a strike. Uh, naturally, we stand in solidarity with these great creative types uh, being able to earn their livelihood. If you are at all able, please visit the entertainmentcommunity.org and give generously, if at all possible, so that we can um, we can help these folks along while they are fighting for their financial livelihood. Also, we. Uh, want to give special love to our Patreons or Patreons, the folks who give us uh, the chance to create the extra content that we enjoy so much. Uh, you can visit uh, patreon.com slash secretfriendsunite for a free one-week trial at any level of our content. Check us out and see what you like. But in the meantime, give some special love to best bud Jamie Prinky. Uh, on our BFFs level, the awesome Nias family, Sean, Stella, and Henry, my friend Missy Merchant and Andy Milliken, we appreciate you once again. Patreon.com slash Secret Friends Unite, free one week trial. And if you like what you hear, stick around. Um, and boy, Todd, did I ever love this cover. I was telling you in the pre roll how this was a uh, blank, uh, brown bag, flat, what do they call it? Flat rate mail. They got like uh, open, uh, open brown cover that you just slid the book was slid in between. didn't have any on it. Perfect to get rained on and manhandled by your postal carrier. Exactly. But this was from September of uh, 1988. Uh, Web of Spider-Man, which is a a, a title that, you know, during Spider-Man's kind of heyday, he had in the eighties in particular, eighties and nineties, he had three, 
uh, core titles that ran The Amazing Spider-Man, the only one that survived since 1962, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, later shortened to simply The Spectacular Spider-Man, and this Web of Spider-Man title, which ran uh, from 1985 to about... Uh, I'm going to say 1999 and then things split apart. And like I said, the, the, the amazing Spider-Man is the only one that has endured. So this one was near and dear to my cart, uh, my heart. Spidey was inv invading an actual cult to rescue. I think it was Mary Jane's niece or something like that. I'm trying, I haven't read the story in years, but in the meantime, she was doing what she does because she's a model. So she's posing for this dude who, as I was telling Todd, uh, was kind of modeled after a guy named Ralph Macchio, not the Karate Kid, but a guy who was an editor from our known Comics, pornographer, and a norn and apparently a norn pornographer. Though, well, you know, Mary Jane is dressed in a pink nighty. It's very tasteful, holding a rose. But what a weird cover because it looks like okay, that you know, it's very you know, Spidey's fighting to you know defeat bad guys, and here she's just chilling out. And yes, it says uh, as Spidey battles the cult of love, his wife Mary Jane. Poses for a lingerie catalog, Vanna White Lookout. Couldn't be uh, a more timely reference, Vanna White. Ah, uh, wow. And the photographer says cheesecake, which cheesecake obviously synonymous for showing flesh and titillating. So I really don't know what they were doing when they did this cover. It's like, hey, we're going to bring in a new crowd, the right. old pervy crowd, mm. which will get sales going. Old and pervy. I absolutely love it. Uh, well, nothing is less uh, pervy, but definitely as old as our senior news correspondent, Madam Webb. She's down at the corner of Hollywood and Vine, 123 years young, bringing us the latest scoops. So let's go. Now it's time for Madam Webb's rumors and news. Take it away, boys. Thank you, Madam Webb. Yes, uh, I believe your strike is ongoing as well. The uh, senior citizens for um, uh, more roles in uh, adult industry is not working well. Um, I know you've asked for more roles and they're just not happening. And you're, you're, you know, your picketing is not doing anything to win your cause. So good luck and good luck in your endeavors. My, my, my. Yes, the, the, that's the, the role of the jelly roll, the role of a lifetime. Oh, my gosh. So uh, it's uh, it's September now. So we're we're kind of dovetailing into spooky season or rather the run up to. Um, so we got some horror trailers to talk about. So um, <laughs> I was trying to figure out this first trailer. Is this is this a spoof? Is this real? Is this really kind of where this is going? I mean, what's the deal? Yeah, so um, Blumhouse has made content for Hulu. They do it every year. This year, they're doing basically uh, a horror comedy similar to that one we saw, which was Freaky, um, where basically it was Freaky Friday with a serial killer. And this year, uh, something similar. We're getting a uh, basically the premises in the film. Uh, Jamie's mom, uh, Kieran Shipka, uh, who was um, uh, Sabrina. Sabrina, that's correct. Pam, played by um, Julie Bowen from uh, Modern Family, ah, I uh, thought that was her. is terrorized by the resurgence of the Sweet 16 killer, a mass maniac that slaughtered a group of teenagers, girls in the 80s, with the help of her friend Amelia Mawema. Uh, Jamie travels back in time to 1987, teams up with the ten then teen version of her mom, 
to try to stop the killer. So this is like a time travel to stop a killer. Kind of a cool new idea. It's comedic take. And in the opening of this little trailer, it showed kind of like a history of the Blumhouse killers. That's what made it kind of clever. Because, I mean, they've had so many in Blumhouse um, throughout time. I I mean, you've got what the uh, the Purge folks. You've got the guy from Freaky. um, You've got several different other uh, killers that have been part of Blumhouse houses um you know cast of horror films and they've become very successful so this movie um it's called totally killer taking an 80s term the guy has a mask kind of like a ken ken doll i guess the best way to put it i think it's more a little bit more johnny bravo which was not that sure 80s sure still yeah 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 more like that type of mask and this is going to be out october 6th so this is getting right into spooky time um comedic uh horror films either hit or miss but i like the cast this could be a lot of fun and that's uh, this is going to be on shutter or it's going to be in the theater Oh, Hulu, gotcha. Yeah, because October 6th, I know because I saw a trailer again last night, is uh, The Exorcist. Yeah, and uh, we'll talk about so, yeah. that. We'll talk about why that is now October 6th until, yes. instead, of, instead of October 13th, exactly. which it was its original uh, release. You mean date. Friday the 13th? Correct, correct. Yes, oh, in October. How, how exciting. My, my, my. Well, yes, uh, you know, I, it's funny. We were talking kind of roulette of uh, streaming services, and I, I think – you know, once Loki is over, we're going to we're going to say goodbye to Disney Plus for a little while. But Hulu still pops up as being something viable. They end up having bits and pieces here, a little bit more variety where Disney we we're talking about Disney. We're like, when do we even ever turn it on anymore? It's just it was just it's not for us, it. Charlie. We are not yeah. we not kids we, with young children or yeah, parents we, with young children. You can't have Frozen on uh, for the 50,000th time when there's no one there who wants to see it. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, definitely worth turning in on. I mean, I love Blumhouse. They've, they've really, uh, I won't say revitalized the industry, but it's certainly been a spark uh, in the last few years um, that has really made it stand up and notice. So, all right. I saw a trailer for this this one last night because I'm talking a little while about how we saw The Nun 2. Uh, and naturally, because it's a horror film, there are uh, trailers in front of it that are corresponding. So this is Thanksgiving with very little to be thankful for. Now, the trailer starts out nice. Was it one of these years? Are you coming home? Yada, yada, yada. This time of the year. And then somebody's face gets stuck to the side of um, of a freezing tank. And then you see the big axe. And so we've had the, the, the killer turkeys in the past. There's been killer Christmas in the past. Is this the first, like, real celebration of the holiday itself? Uh, as a horror movie, not something specific like generic, like like generic Killer Christmas, Killer Flag Day, Killer Killer Valentine's Day. That's a good one. Bloody uh, my Bloody Valentine was a was a big yeah, one. Yeah, we don't have right. like a Memorial Day weekend killer. We don't have a Labor Day killer. Uh, well, there was a, yeah. the the, fir- the first purge was with the Fourth of July, or the, maybe the most recent one. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, it makes sense. You know, America, it's something iconic, but yeah, Memorial Day and Labor Day, Arbor Day, uh, typically not days that inspire people to go out and kill, I guess. That's a good thing. Right. You know, like we want said, less flag uh, day, flag yeah. day, middle of June. Well, you make, could make, stab make someone with a flagpole, though. I oh guess. My gosh. Yeah, it's I very guess, pointy. Yeah. Um, it's but very the, pointy. the premise of this movie is, is interesting. If you remember, there was a uh, unique experiment in film back in 2007 called Grindhouse. Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez basically paired up to kind of celebrate those movies from the 70s that were grimy, a little over the top. Um, and you had the two Death Proof. And then I believe you had Planet 
death planet Z I'm trying to remember what the name of the Rodriguez one where it was like zombies were involved. Right. It was kind of a crazy mix. And in that movie they had like, um, uh, intermission. So they showed trailers that were not real. And, uh, Eli Roth did a trailer that was called Thanksgiving and it was no just a way. Sort of, That's awesome. Exactly. And this is what the output is. He finally made this film and um, it's kind of very fun. The, the, I mean, the fake trailers out there, so you could watch that as well if you want to uh, back from the film, but this one's kind of fun. The, the killer is a, you know, dressed up like a pilgrim. He's got a pilgrim mask, which is very fun. It's got some decent actors in it. Uh, Patrick Dempsey is in this. Um, let's see. Uh, Addison Ray, Milo Meinheim, Jalen Thomas Brooks, Neil Verlock, Rick Hoffman and Gina Gershon. So decent actors. It looks like it'll be a hoot and it's going to be in theaters out November 17th, which obviously yeah, right before go. Thanksgiving, I think I'd move it up another week, up. like November, like eighth or something like that. So you get a couple more weeks right. as people are getting into the season. You're still getting some horror fun. So I don't know. Cause it seems get, like it's going to be getting a into thin the, season. The horror season of uh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> or the running yeah, over, yeah. yeah, the 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 yeah, the running over of. So, oh man, well, cool. Yeah, I'm, I feel like you know, we're, we're it was funny. I looked because we were at the movies last night, and we hadn't been since we saw the Meg two, and it seems like that was a long time ago. So, um, yeah, August was was a real dearth for us. You know, I mean, in in, in uh, our summer movie wager, which as I had mentioned, Todd was victorious for the first time. She's or will be making his way to the. Um, the schizophrenic weather of uh, Minnesota. Um, but yeah, in August, there just there was just really nothing to speak of. Hurdles was the big film, and that did very well for what it was. Hurt, um, did you say, yeah. what, what did you say? Hurdles? Turtles. TMNT. Oh, turtles. Yes. Yeah, well, Turtles, it, didn't get yes. the, it didn't get into the top 10 because I got a big old goose egg. Well, no, that. August is hard. It's a mo- it's a smaller movie. I mean, yeah. and the good news about yeah. that movie, it actually had a realistic budget. So it's going to be actually successful. So more, right. movies that made more than it did, actually, like Little Mermaid, right. Lost movie money at $300 million. Indiana Jones right. is the biggest flop of the year because they spent no, a billion. The Flash. No, Charlie. The Flash. From, the Flash. No, no. They spent so much more money on Indiana Jones and The Flash that it totally is losing more money. The, they I, spent $100 million, $100 million more on Indiana Jones. And Indiana Jones it. only made $60 million more. I, that is not the math that I saw. But no, I saw Charlie, I, what, from a profitability heard, perspective, The Flash no. only cost like 150 no, Perform- the, flash the flash had- performed worse. Indiana Jones only made seventy million dollars more, the, the but cost flash, another yeah. extra hundred million dollars. Oh, the Flash! I heard lost over two hundred million dollars. I'd like I, anyway. And Indiana Jones also lost over two hundred and twenty-five million dollars. No, yeah, they would do because it. they're they had double the budget. I mean, it cost three hundred and fifty oh million dollars to make that movie. Seven hundred million dollars total with marketing and everything like that. I, it was a complete I, yeah. Yeah. I really thought they were going to pull it out. So, well, nope. so here's this next story uh, pokes a hole in my plan to get rid of Disney Plus because what if uh, the animated uh, MCU uh, program is coming back uh, around Christmas? So, if Loki, can, well, yeah, if Loki comes out on October 6th and it has what eight episodes, that gets me to November. And so, well, I guess I could. I, I guess I could get one. Well, no, I can't really even oh, get the, one. The real question is: Do you do you have Hulu Plus with ads, without ads? Yeah, well, I have the bundle. Are you right keeping now. it? I'm not sure. Because if you keep it, you get Disney Disney Plus for two dollars a month. It's not worth canceling for that much. I don't know. I, I feel like I want to send a statement. Here's my statement, Disney. 
but there's going to be more Star Wars. There's going to be more Marvel. And you're a diehard, Chili. You're a Marvel there's not, there's, zombie. There's not going to be any of this stuff. But, I mean, with the ability to add and drop and add and drop, you know, yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But anyway, uh, this uh, series, which we got back in the end of 2021, had Jeffrey Wright as Watu the Watcher. Uh, and it was really focused around, and, and rightfully so, because it makes it more accessible for a broad audience, happenings of the actual MCU as opposed to the comic series, which many of us old timers read uh, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and even all the way up to today, which was just little alternate takes on, well, what if they zigged instead of zag? So we've got uh, a partial episode listing, nine episodes. I, I've got the whole list. You have to actually click the oh. Twitter link. It has well, at, well, at any rate, we'll at least touch upon it. I can tell you what they are because I have well, it. Hold on. Hold on. Hold yep. on. Let's, not keep, let's not keep them thirsty now. I'll give you three, and the rest can be a mystery. What if Gamora? Oh, that's no fun. We're going through them all. We're going through. Oh them shush! All. We're keeping it Gamora, live. What if Gamora killed Thanos? What if Captain Carter finds the Hydra Stomper, which which was a tag from the end of season one? What if the oh Jesus? What if the Tesseract landed in the? I'm not even saying this word Confederacy before its colonization of America. Hold on, I'm doing the jump. I got this. Do, 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 What is that? What is the, what is the, is that, is, uh, is, what is the hound of Saucy? It's got to be a Native American tribe of some oh, there sort. You go. I'm, there I don't you know go. if I've okay. heard of them before. Yeah. What if uh, Hank and Janet fought the Red Guardian during the 1980s like that? What if Yandu delivered Star-Lord to Ego? Oh my. What if Happy Hogan saved Christmas from Iron Man 3? What if Wanda had grown up watching musicals instead of sitcoms? Oh boy, that that one's for you, Todd. Jump the uh, what if What if Odin and uh, Hela had faced Wendwu? Uh, and what if the Avengers had fought Surtur? Hmm? All right, you got some good ones here. You got some good ones here. So that's another nine weeks. Damn you, Disney. You got me. Anyway, I love the show. It gave us uh, Captain oh, Carter. Wendwu, Charlie is yeah. he's the he's the the big bad from Shang Chi. Gotcha. So anyway, this gave us Captain Carter, uh, which is a favorite of April's, uh, which then we also got Captain Carter in live action. Uh, April and I are actually doing an autism walk in a couple of weeks. She's debuting that Captain Carter. I'm going to do my Captain America. So I love that character. I love this series. Uh, great takes. Sounds like this has some more satirical takes, though. We did have the what if Thor was a party animal episode of season one. But it sounds like we've got a little bit more. I mean, Hogan saving Christmas and and the, the musical episode. So I don't know. They're keeping a good balance, um, but they've got some edgy stuff, too. Uh, yeah, I like Star-Lord and Ego and then the one about the Native Americans that, without a doubt, sounds pretty interesting. Introducing a new character. So, yeah, I'm down with this. Ah, Disney, Disney, Disney. I I, I, I was excited about What If previously, but now, quite honestly, I don't really care about what ifs in the MCU since everything is canon. Um, I know that sounds weird because in the Marvel comics, yeah, yeah. Canon. I, I just, yeah. I just, as I get more of this, I don't want to go delve deeper into the MCU to be honest. Um, like more on like, what if, cause it's like, I, I don't know something about the MCU for me as a can, uh, fan of the comics. I want to go into storylines of the comics, but obviously that would confuse watchers well, of the, the main content. Yeah. Totally get it. Um, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I, I expect, I don't think what if really resonate with a lot of people except for the big nerds anyway. So, um, I'm not sure how successful this was. I, I love the animation style and I thought some of them yeah, were cool, the Marvel that. zombies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I don't know if this is going to move the dial for anyone else. This will probably be the last season for this show is my guess just because, um, 
quality over quantity is Bob Iger's new um, uh, yeah. thought process. Well, I mean, you can, to me, you can certainly see the direction uh, in which they do it. You know, the masses, the, the, I won't say the unwashed masses, but the people out there obviously more familiar with mcu than they are with all of us you know we're the we're, we're the the tos fans in star trek you know that they're they're less yeah. interested in catering to they're more interested in catering to people who've been watching since 2008 since there's been the the mcu so you get while they're tilting in this direction so but i also understand what you're saying too i kind of straddle both worlds of it um being someone who's not been a voracious comics reader in the last 20 something years but the 20 years prior to that absolutely i you know i i knew every nook and cranny of of marvel that was going on so that's why i enjoyed the comic series some more but i yeah i still found interest in this but again with streaming you you don't know how you know what causes something to get renewed what constitutes something being popular it's minutes it's this it's that it's blah 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 blah. um so there's really no way to know but i think two seasons is fine because otherwise you're right it could go on forever and it could just be ad nauseum. So yeah, I think when something, and I hate to say it because Strange New Worlds just did a musical episode. Uh, when something does a musical episode, are things kind of getting closer to the end? I mean, jump the shark. Yeah, you yeah, are running out. Yeah. I mean, of, of these episodes, um, I'm curious, which one are you most excited for, Charlie? Probably the Captain uh, Carter, I, I, just because it's character uh, that yeah, I already, I already, I already closed the list, but yeah, without a doubt. Okay. Um, um, yeah. So myself... I think the one that's going to introduce a new character, that's kind of neat. It's a different, it's essentially not tied to anything else, so it can go anywhere. And it's in an era uh, that is going to be very interesting to see what would that be like, um, yeah, especially introducing yeah. a new character. And will they do anything with that char- character to make it canon? We are in the multiverse of madness. We've got um, all the right. things happening. I know that door's supposed to be closing, so we'll see what happens and what becomes like the new canon going forward the door is closing well speaking of doors that are wide open and now i see exactly what you're talking about because i've been hearing about this uh i have a friend who purchased tickets for herself and her daughter and probably her husband as well um for the taylor swift concert film but it is uh it's encroaching into uh into spooky time but nobody gets in the way of taylor swift so just like you had mentioned uh we are seeing uh exorcist believer getting pushed off of its Friday the 13th October debut uh, back a week to avoid a one-to-one with T-Swift. And it is a, that's a smart move. I, I, I she, it, right now, Taylor Swift is a juggernaut rightfully. So she does good things. She takes care of people, but she's making all kinds of money. So, you know what? It's the American dream. Um, but yeah, that is a, uh, yeah. Now it's an AMC that I've been hearing about this concert movie. It's almost three hours long. Uh, being produced by AMC, but also being sold to non-AMC theaters so that, you know, they're not dummies. Um, and it's, uh, let's see here. T- yeah, tickets are 20 bucks. Oh, excuse me, $19.89, $19.89 when she was born. The thirteen thirteen for children, I don't get, or whatever. Um, and, uh, oh, IMAX and Dolby is more. So she's, you know, this could be a $100 million, $100 million couple of weeks out of this deal. Th- this could be an actual blockbuster concert film, which I heard somewhere i was listening to some kind of show the last one of these was a was it a justin bieber or somebody that yeah. was maybe 75 like million? million yeah, yeah 80 million so something like that yeah i i'm gonna put my smart money down on this this will be a, a an actual blockbuster i think this will hit 100 million dollars yeah so this uh, is, this they're is not exciting. projecting it potentially 150 million which is just this, crazy i th- i think you know and, and i you know and again i I'm obviously familiar with Taylor Swift's music. I myself am not a a listening to it kind of fan. Not a Swiftie, Charlie. But I I admire what she's accomplished. 
You know, she is, uh, she has, she, she has beetled this deal. She is, she is the Beatles of the 21st century, in my opinion. Interesting. Um, I, I think from a success point point, and she does have fans, like there are musicians today that she's a great songwriter. Um, I though most of her albums, it seems like there's like eight songwriters per album when it comes right. out. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that, she experiments. She does different yeah, things. I wouldn't say that was strictly analogous, but as far from no. a success standpoint, it's not uncommon either. I mean, Beyonce yeah. probably has a team of a billion uh, coming right. in to write all of her songs. I mean, and, there's never yeah. really going to be, and maybe it'll be different a hundred years from now. Another Beatles. There's, you know, there's not going to be anybody who captured things. I mean, Correct. name me, n- name me anything in popular music after 1964 that doesn't owe something to the Beatles anywhere. Well, before I, I that. Just, I mean, yeah. before they could say Elvis uh, was a huge right. influential. I mean, right. Elvis still resonates right. today. Yeah. And, you and know. A, a, yeah, Elvis fed the Beatles and, and all, you know, R&B before that. But anything it, when the Beatles existed and it just it just fingers everywhere. So anyway. oh, and then they ended and Taylor Swift. And, is, yeah, has, she's so young. She started at like 13, did country, right. went to pop and everything. I mean, she could right. go on for another 30 years and not slow down and she does four right. hour concerts and does like 55 songs who else yeah, does what that? she you know who she is she's bruce springsteen because he still does three hour you know concerts and he's my dad's age he's in his 70s which i think yeah, is awesome yeah but anyway this, she's this impressive is, yeah. she definitely is not for me yeah. i'm not gonna spend 1989 uh no. to see this concert film but yeah. it's so weird to do a concert film right in the middle of when she's still touring it's it's not right. she's not done touring so it's very well, weird it's it's i big. mean I think it makes perfect sense to me. There are people who can't not can't Correct. afford her shows, but they can't get yeah. tickets. They can't they can't go. Absolutely. It's not it's not feasible. So this is the alternative. And yeah. that was what my it was my friend uh, Tamara, who's a very old friend of mine, who said, you know, she she fought for a long time trying to get tickets so she and her daughter could go. She's like, you know what? This is the answer for me because I can go see it in the theater. I can have a, you know sit there and have a pop and take a bathroom break, whatever it is, and it's quiet sort of comparatively i'm sure it could erupt and sing no along one's ruined it. well I, I i'm assuming charlie everybody will be singing along in that theater so it won't be right. quiet <laughs> but don't you think it'll be quieter uh, maybe i mean once yeah. you're gonna be singing in a small space with walls yeah. that is echoing off the walls um yeah. you know you're gonna have kids of all ages um very young kids and it's interesting yeah. this is a big one where i see amc amc's behind this amc right. essentially pitched the deal behind um, it, but it's, but it's and wider, there are other theaters yeah. that are they, it, they actually put commissioned another company to, to distribute this to smaller theaters right because if they didn't they would be in violation of a very old congressional act that said theaters cannot distribute movies their own films uh-huh. That broke up like the st- like every studio had a movie theater chain and it was like right. they only went to those so this is different but considering right. amc is four billion dollars in debt the uh, the industry of movie <laughs> theaters is is best they're gonna have to do more of these type events sports yeah. musicals live right. theater and broadcast them and it will bring people yeah. in because your point oh yeah no like hamilton if that had gone like right after i mean people can't spend 150 dollars on a ticket they just can't well and, and, and more to the point there just weren't there weren't tickets, tickets available to be purchased. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So it's just, yeah. it's not that you couldn't afford it. Maybe it was, but yeah, if you actually can't go see it. Yeah. So anyway, long road around, uh, the exorcist believer, which is, uh, bringing back Ellen Burstyn in a, in a lead role from the original film, which we just watched that recently. We were talking about it with knowing that this was coming up. We rewatched it. It had been a number of years. Um, and it's, and it's still a classic. It's amazing. Um, so I'm looking forward to this and I know we'll be talking about it during, during Shocktober, Spooktober, the segment that we do, uh, the, the, the long running, our, our version of Blocktober, uh, that we do during October. So yeah, Rocktober, Rocktober. There's so many Tobers. 
October. All right, I'm tackling this next one because it not only is one of my favorites, but it also dovetails right into what we're going to be talking about in the Thunderdome because it is the same creative force. The Warriors, which was a movie in 1979 based in a quasi-futuristic New York City uh, where gangs ruled everything. It wasn't it wasn't really that futuristic. It looked like it was totally contemporary. Uh, but you had, you know, weird, wacky gangs where you had guys who wore suits and another team that was dressed up like a baseball team, but they, you know, were like mimes because they had white faces. The Warriors I'm talking about. Absolutely awesome movie. Uh, uh, the creative team was Walter Hill. And this was actually, it was based off of a graphic novel. If I'm not mistaken, a book um, from 1965. So a novel, there you uh, go. Graphic novel. Yeah. Oh, I swear. I swear it's a graphic novel. It, it, like even in the director commentary, but anyway, uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda getting his fingers into this, bringing it to Broadway. Um, this is fascinating. Absolutely fascinating to see how this would translate, uh, into a, uh, musical environment because while the music, it's uh, while the movie itself was filled with music, <clears throat> Uh, and like the film that we're going to talk about, which was Walter Hill's subsequent film a few years later that we're going to talk about uh, in the Geek Easy, uh, it didn't feature musical performances within where that film does. Uh, it was obviously it was very musical, but it was a rough and tumble, highly stylized, you know, uh, street gang film. Yeah, you had a uh, Todd, you've seen the film, I assume. Uh, I actually saw it like three years ago for the first time. I also had not seen it as a youth because, and again, it came out in 1979, but I, I saw it about a decade ago, fell in love with it. I've got the the disc, so I'll break it out every once in a while. April doesn't care for it, so I'll break it out every once in a while when she's not around uh, and and check it out. But um, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, the, the source material, yeah, it's, it says right here, uh, detail still unknown, but if it sticks to the book material, there will be some perplexed audience members. The Furies, the baseball theme gang that I just mentioned, is not from the book. That was that was part of, obviously, Walter Hill's uh, and his team's their screenplay. But uh, seeing the take uh, on the story without them will stand out. I, I find it highly unlikely that notable aspects of the film that people are familiar with wouldn't find their way into a, an interpretation. That, that would seem weird to me. Well, it depends on what they get the rights for, Charlie. If they get the rights for the the, the novel, or do they get rights for the movie? Because right. if they get That's rights for the novel, they'd have to get the rights also for the movie to use any right. of those creations in it. And it right. sounds like they've only got the rights to one. Mm. So, which would also be the music would be a something also right. they'd have to deal with because if they're if they're going to use any of the music from the movie, they have to get the rights to that too. Well, and, yeah. but again, the music from the movie was uh, were, were they were interstitials. It wasn't like, hey, you know, there's a band performing this, and you know, if it's going to be exactly. original, yeah, if it's going to be all original songs like a Hamilton, yeah. then they can yeah. do whatever the hell they want. <laughs> I would, yeah. I would find that to be more than like it does mention here. The book is uh, a grimmer tone than the film, and the film wasn't graphically violent. It was, you know, kind of. Uh, of it you know it, it was kind of of its time implied but it wasn't bloody gore or anything like that but yeah it has the the overall theme of the film if you've not seen it and i would highly recommend it it is available for rent it does not stream anywhere i did just check recently it has to do with a gangland meeting where uh the the gang leader who is running the meeting is assassinated uh kind of off screen by the uh, a near duel gang member played by David Patrick Kelly, who is from Detroit, uh, and an Irishman, obviously, so very near and dear to my heart. Uh, and then this gunman says, The warriors, it was Cyrus, was the guy, the warriors shot him. And then all of these hundred thousand gang members chase the warriors as they try to make their way back 
to Coney Island. And if you're familiar with the greater New York area, this big meeting was up in the Bronx. Coney Island is down on Long Island. So they have 100 miles to get home or 50, 100 miles, they say right in the film. Um, so it has to do with their journey through the night to get home and various districts that they go through. Uh, again, tying back in with film, we're going to talk about districts. Um, yeah, I, I love it. It's fun. I would recommend it. So this should be interesting. I'm, I'm curious if it could touch the success that, uh, that obviously we saw with Hamilton, but then again, uh, the Heights, uh, in the Heights, uh, was another musical, uh, film that, uh, Miranda made more recently. So I don't know. How, how did that one do? Do you recall? I saw it. I enjoyed it. I just don't know. Uh, it came out. It, it came out during COVID, so yeah, it was one of those things that came out in yeah. COVID. I, I think it was out in theaters really for a short skewed. period of time, and then it went to Disney right. Plus. I don't think it blew any. I, I don't know, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. nobody's singing the height songs as I you know yeah. down stroll on the, the street. Exactly. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> well, the thing isn't about this. Nobody's singing anything because with the WGA and SAG after a strikes, nobody's doing anything. So it's very hypothetical um, as far as any of this stuff. So anyway, I will be very engaged with this when it comes out. Uh, if it's made in some kind of concert film, if it, you know, if it travels, I don't think I would get April to go to this, even if it like, Hey, Broadway Grand Rapids presents the Warriors, like someday way down the road. Cause we're that obviously would be interesting. Yeah. 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 But that would be not, but we, you know, we have, we have local, you know, we have local stuff that comes through the DeVos uh, performance hall. I've seen stuff there. So anyway. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's it for the news. We are out of here. Time to get out that Fuber app, that feeble Uber app, the geek easy awaits to talk about things we're enjoying so let's get to it talk nerdy to me talk nerdy to me we're sitting in the geek easy drinks are poured and we are ready to get our nerd on so we start off what we've been geeking out with i'll start with something that's on its third season um i have become a huge fan of only murders in the building season one all about uh you know three unlikely people becoming friends martin short steve martin and selena gomez they live in the this 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 historic building wait and... wait, wait, wait are you talking about the power of friendship yes yes that could be joining them together i love it um, i love it yes so these are 30 minute episodes that are great and every season is about a murder in the building um, it has to happen in this building or they can't call it that. They, they basically, I was going to say, wouldn't, wouldn't people want to be out of this building where all these murders are finally happening? You know, <laughs> we don't deal with the reality in the situation, Charlie, you right. know, I mean, I'm sure not on, uh, murders in a building don't probably don't affect your property or your rent, you know, I guess not. It, it, work. Uh, is this on Netflix? Jog it's on memory. Hulu. It's on Hulu. There we go. Yes. And considering the cost of rent in New York, you want probably want more people to die. So more <laughs> apartments will become available. Right. Yeah. Right. You got to oh, control yeah. the population. That's, that's what other people die. And, and you know what? For the property owners releases those uh, a potential releases, a rent controlled property. Correct. Double or triple yes. the rent. Boom. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good for murder is good for everybody. It stimulates murder, the economy. Murder is good for the economy. Less. People. Yeah. Yeah, so season two, so season one, uh, you know, just the, getting the team together. Season two was really getting them in their stride. You had changes in their uh, situations, some different uh, love interests gone awry. And then right. the third season, um, I am halfway through it. It's it's still live right now, so not all of the episodes have dropped. It drops weekly. And uh, at this point, we've got um, some just new introductions into the world and this one's really focuses about um like basically a musical that uh martin short is producing 
He's a producer mm-hmm. behind it all and a murder. Uh, and it's very funny because also um, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, handsome man, never ages. Um, Steve Martin. Edmund. Steve Martin plays Ant-Man. Plays Ant-Man. Oh, Paul Rudd. So Paul Rudd is in this and he's, he's hilarious. He plays this kind of not washed up, but kind of like, um, hmm, what's the best way to put it? Kind of reminds me of a, um, Jack Black type of guy who had a bunch of like hits, but then kind of on downstream of his career. And he played oh, in as, a, an, uh, as, as an actor. So yeah, he Jack- was in a, his, his big movie was called Cobro about oh, a bro. cop who turns into a Cobra. <laughs> and it is, it's just, it's just perfect. It's very do you, funny. Do you, do you remember, do you remember that Saturday morning cartoon about the kid who turned into a trans am? What the hell yes, was that called? Yes. Uh, it was I, called uh turbo teen. I thought that was great. I remember the one where he initiated his transform transforming, but he was in the shower. Yeah. So it was like, no, there's a trans am in my shower. I, I know. Hey, I couldn't remember I, if it was if he got wet or if he got hot, but something yeah, triggered it. So it was out of he his got, control. It's when, yeah, it's when, it, and of course as a, a teen, you have hormones. And so you get overstimulated, turned him into a trans. I don't know. You know if what? You lived in Texas, you would be a car. All I the time. guess <laughs> I'm going to put this out to the social media community at secret friends, you or uh, at the C3 or at T extra over on X. Uh, give us some background information on turbo teen. Let us know if it's streamable somewhere so that I don't have to look it up because that'll take me three seconds. and I don't want to do it. Yeah. So um, <laughs> yes. So getting us back to only Please. murders in the building. Um, it's been really good. Meryl Streep is also in the season. So she's wonderful too. There's romance abounding. There's craziness going on. And um, I love it. They, they're going deep um, and really the, you're getting more and more information about these characters. It's really fun. They they're putting on their, they're all, if you love Steve Martin and Martin short, it's fantastic. Their, their relationship is, is fun. And Selena Gomez is actually decent. In this. I was so worried about, she bring wow. up the show down, but yeah, she does, a, she yeah, does come and, out and she, she does right. kind of balance out there. Yeah. And that's a weird one because with those, you know, former, Disney, because what was her? What was her show? The Wizards of Waverly Place, Disney, where she got her show. Sure, was that her? why not? Wasn't that her? Yeah. I think that was her. Probably. So yeah, you just never know. April and I were talking about this yesterday. You know, these child stars—they just, uh, you know, their their lives could be such a mess because of you know how their parents grew them over and blah blah yeah. blah blah blah. So, um, so yeah, so it's Some become it's nice Scientologists and now are convicted of certain crimes. Yeah. Uh, we don't certainly need to talk about no, the individual that we're referencing. Okay, moving on. What do you got? So Ahsoka, yeah, so we, we missed Ahsoka. a week. Uh, we had a break. So sorry, yes. folks, for lack of entertainment. Uh, that's, but you know, it's, that's that's funny. I, I, when we sat down today, I'm like, why do I feel like we've not done this in a long time? Yeah, because of Labor Day weekend, your mom was out and I was I had other stuff going on. So, yeah, so now we're back. Yeah, so, so I, I dropped an episode of, that. Yeah. of the spinner rack just in place, which is fine. People get entertained one way or the other. We have stuff banked. Um, so Ahsoka, th- two more episodes have come out since we last discussed the first two. Um, and the, the big news is now episode five will apparently be in theaters, which seems like a weird approach for the and fifth episode. Are, are we are five or are they just giving we, us? Well, hold on. Before we go any further, are we, are we spoilers, non-spoilers? What are we doing? Um, I think we can do light spoilers because this will be a week out after episode yes. five comes out. Very good. So, so yeah, so um, light spoilers. Yeah. So we won't necessarily uh, reveal the the big drop at the end of episode four because that's very significant. Um, and so, Todd, we talked about this before we got rolling. How are you enjoying this as a 
lightly initiated Rebels fan? Because you said you did you, you did some homework, you mm-hmm. you felt prepared. Um, so yeah, I mean, what are your impressions? I obviously very deep in, very familiar with it. Because again, I'm you know I do a show about Star Wars with our partner Mark, so I'm very deep in. But you're not as a casual fan, but you're more of a casual fan than perhaps Mark and I. I know so more than probably friendly. the unwashed masses who only come in there for like a Mandalorian. So I know it. I, I keep so in the unwashed. loop on it, but I don't, yeah. I'm not passionate where I've like got to rewatch things or I'll yeah. watch it. I don't need to watch it all. I can watch key episodes and be fine with that. Yeah, um, yeah. um, It is interesting now with coming mm-hmm. in with four episodes in, I yeah. see what this show is totally. This is rebel season five It is yeah. nothing other than that. It is one long story arc. There are no standout episodes. It is essentially right. telling one movie, um, right. which is fine if that's what you want. But once again, no episodes truly stand out they just kind of blend together and it's right. one story which i feel like the disney shows except for like the mandalorian where they do the standalone episodes right. um it all kind of blends in it's like but it's it, like but, it, but even with the mandalorian there was there is a an overall arc but you're right Correct. They, do bre- they do break it up where this is simply much like star trek discovery you know and and those episodes are like this is this season's mission and every episode that we do is going to be a di- like the season two in the red angel oh well you know we've got it we're chasing this and then we're we're going bit to bit in every episode drives forward this big plot that culminates in the end of the season um which which is what this is all about and obviously Correct. Yeah. um yeah so yeah so the question is is that are you are you i think it comes right down to do you enjoy the type of storytelling or don't you because if you don't i would say it's potentially not for you though i would not scare anybody off of it altogether but yeah especially as you said if you if you just turn this on for the first time and your familiarity with star wars goes as narrow as oh i've seen the prequels you still don't know who ahsoka is if you've never watched any of the clone wars you don't know anything about ahsoka at all if you're not watched rebels you don't know anything about why any of these characters are important so it's it's niche in in a way um, but my question is, uh, how are they judging the success of this metrically? How is it doing? Well, they, they, this is actually the first show where they've said like how many people, households have watched it. They said this is the first time Disney has done like, this. Tr- traditional ratings and they like are household. well, households. They Ish. said a million people and, and none of the streamers want to release this information because that would tell people, Oh, so we can create a rate based on that, which we could give residuals for. They don't want right. to do that. So they do not want to tell this thing. They're, they're going to get I, stuck. They're going to get so stuck. I don't know from anybody, and I really can't tell anybody who who is not into it because I don't really know a lot of geeks who are not into this. Yeah. That can tell me, is it a successful? Is it working for them? Um, I will say I like some of the new characters. The production value seems very strong. This feels like the most mm-hmm. Star Warsy thing they've done. There's space battles. Yeah. Yep. There's yeah, that's it. episode three, big time. There's action and adventure, which is is fun. There was a mysterious character. We don't know who it is, and it turns out, oh, that Sith is just a bag of gas. Which it's right. I, what do they call oh, a fortune? Okay. A fortune. That was a bit more of a spoiler, but that's okay. Uh, it, well, but no, it was a I mean, it was a fine. it was a minor functionary. Yeah, it wasn't like you know that one. It wasn't Star Killer. It wasn't uh, yeah. you know somebody yeah. from something else. Yeah, and and that's something that really drives the bus uh, with you know with these these storytellers getting things going. Like well, we have this mystery character who wears a helmet, and they get everybody talking for two weeks. Is it so and so? Is it this and that? And you're right. In the end of it, this character was slain and, and exploded into a gas. So it was yeah, it was this it was this the skunk Sith or whatever. <laughs> 
<laughs> which is fine. It's okay to bring in characters that die. Star Wars did that all the time. Oh, it's Boba yeah. Fett. We met him once. He died. It's like it, his story is done. But, the, but no, but he's not. <laughs> no, it's yeah, not. Oh, we yeah, uh, we gotta we gotta drag it out that much further. So, well, I don't know much about it being in theaters. And again, we've not been in theaters in a while. We just got our tickets this morning to see a haunting in Venice, which we're going to be talking about on the show. We're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna see that I think next Friday. Yeah. Um, but I didn't see anything that suggested that Ahsoka episode five was going to be in theater. So I guess I'll have. Oh, there is a link right there, Charlie. That I put in oh, the flow. It says episode really? five at theaters. Yeah, well, you'll so. have to put that. Go in the Fobo's flow. doing it, and you can see if there's screenings in your neck of the woods. Oh well, I will do that while we're talking. Yeah, um, so, I, so you can, you can wrap up your official thinking. No, no screenings in Metamora, Michigan. For some reason, I put that uh, zip code versus mine. Oh, but other yeah. than that, um, so screenings. Uh, oh, nothing in my area either. Okay, that's fine. I'm um, right now. But I the one thing I just feel like. I think a lot of people are saying there's a poochy effect of this show, which is if they're not talking about Ezra or if Ezra and Thrawn are not in the thing, people got to right. keep talking about them. And even though I've watched very little bit of rebels, um, I, I just don't feel the importance of Thrawn. I don't, I just, I, yeah. once I watched, I'm like, yes, well, he's a good tactician, but he still was part of the empire. And if he runs it, yeah, uh, they're, they're big heavy hitters are gone. They're smaller yeah, forces. Is he not, really going to yeah. change anything? Wow, they. I'm sorry, just a quick sidebar. No screenings in the Metro Detroit area, so it's not in Michigan. Mm-hmm. If it's not in Metro Detroit, it's not in Michigan. That's crazy. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Wow. So I, I mean, I, I'm. I'll, I'll continue to watch it. It's entertaining, and that's good. I do wish that Ahsoka wasn't the most stoic and boring character on the. Yeah, planet. she's. She, she says she, a lot of things and doesn't really. And it, yeah, get me excited. it's not. And she's not grumpy. She's just very like. And yeah. you know, from from the yeah. character that we were all familiar with. Uh, if and again, it goes back to familiarity. Yes, if you were familiar with her first appearance, which was in that faux Clone Wars, Clone Wars um, theatrical release from the summer of two thousand eight, which when you saw her for the first time, she was a young kid and blah blah blah, and she grew uh, and her character, but her character type didn't change so much. Where she became kind of like this sour and sour, the very strong, silent type, you know, yeah. just kind of hanging out. So, yeah, it's, you know, and, and we know I have a lot of fondness for Rosario Dawson as as an actor. I think that she could play this character uh, in any way that is that she's they don't directed, feel like that the she's same character, to do though. So. She doesn't feel yeah. like she's playing Ahsoka. She yeah. feels like she's playing another member of that race who happens to be a right. Jedi Master. I don't feel exactly. like this is Ahsoka. I just feel it's Rosario right. Dawson doing Well, again, in, you know, in point of order, she's she is also not technically a Jedi, simply a Force practitioner, but whatever. Um, because <laughs> but she's well, training a Jedi, too, which is like, I know. train anybody. Yeah. Well, I, she's, I, uh, I mean, again, she's pretty much all that's left because she left the Order, but had all this, all she did, she just didn't get her diploma, but she She's a Jedi. She has all the skills, but she doesn't. She doesn't have her class ring. That's where. She, that's where she's short. And the other two are. Well, we have one Jedi. Well, who we have is, one Jedi. Classically trained, and his yeah. Padawan. So, yeah, you know, they keep saying there's not a lot of Jedi's, but they keep showing up. Well, I mean, if you statistically speaking, if there were ten thousand Jedi at the time mm-hmm. of Order sixty six, and a galaxy of hundreds of thousands of uh, of thousands of star systems, as Obi Wan described it, how could there not be survivors in any nook and cranny? Good question. Of course, they're definitely going to be survivors. Sure so, we'll yeah, find out <laughs> if the survivors are. If there are a hundred survivors out of ten thousand, that's it, it. Sounds like a lot, but it, I mean, it 
comparatively it's speaking because yeah. yeah i mean the galaxy was lousy with jedi back in the prequel times they were just there there was one on every street corner there's too many too many jedi <clears throat> too many jedi too many, too jedi. many so jedi. yeah episode five is coming out uh when you probably are listening to this um yes. so we'll see this goes eight, eight episodes long um and this may be the last thing we get before we get feloni's movie that is incorporating all their tv shows there's so, nothing, yeah um, there's nothing nothing else on the back i'll of be course, curious in the theater how that does because once again it's like it's like seeing marvel's Endgame, or or you know if if those were just tv series right or or, or right or, yeah, yeah exactly just imagine that i just yeah. don't think it's gonna drive a lot of people to the theaters unless you're like a hardcore fan yeah i and but again on the other side of that coin there are a ton of hardcore fans so Correct. people will see it but as far as what infinity war Endgame did i, I think that was lightning in a bottle as far as genre stuff goes that is very tough to recapture. You got you got casual people to care about the Marvel right. right now. The Disney Plus TV series are not getting casual people to really get engaged unless it's Mando. <clears throat> yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. Need so, yeah. all right, moving along. Uh, I'm I'm going to do a couple of quick hits because I we, I actually consumed some things where I was on a, just a long break where I just felt like I wasn't watching anything. But after years and years, like a decade of pressure from. <clears throat> Tamara, my very close friend who I was already talking about, uh, and her husband, Jason, this is their Star Trek. AMC's Breaking Bad, which has been on Netflix for a decade. The show ended, I think, in 2013, ran from 08 to 2013, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I had started, I had tried to start watching this show three or four times, probably within the last 10 years, just, and then went off to do something else, just didn't catch. So, you know, we're getting into an era. It was funny. I had lunch with my dad uh, this week and my dad is in his seventies. He's, he's not really tied into the entertainment stuff like we are. So I started, I was talking to him a little bit about the sag after and the writer strike. And I said, you know, I said, you know, buckle up. There's not going to be any content next year. So I said, get ready to watch all the stuff that you said, boy, I really should have watched that at some point. And that's what we're all going to be doing in 2024. I mean, let's, let's, you know, let's uh, put all our cards on the table. There's not gonna be a lot of content next year. So anyway, Breaking Bad finally got to watch it. It is five seasons of between, I think eight and 13 episodes, depending on which season it is. We are now at the end of season three and April is totally hooked. I'm really engaged. Todd, have you seen the show yourself? Have you oh, watched, Charlie, I watched this like five or five years ago okay. maybe uh, or gotcha. no, actually probably longer than that. And it was funny when you say that my mom saw the show like, five years ago so you're behind my mom in the collective well, uh, i mean it's you know it's, of this series it's it's not a contest uh, i think people find things in their own way correct um, and not to get spoiled yeah. and have the show ruined for you that far after everything it's you know, yeah it, it, it's true because again headlines are pervasive um this show even uh kicked out a sequel with uh bob odenkirk's sal goodman character and i have loved bob odenkirk since since the ben stiller show in the 1990s because he was part of that troop that troop todd you're from i'm sure you're familiar ben still had a very short-lived fox Absolutely. show it was him janine Garofalo, andy dick uh bob odenkirk and i feel like there was a fifth person it might have just been the four of them um which is yeah talk about a time capsule i don't know i have that on disc i don't know that it exists anywhere else but it was one of those like in the early 2000s it was out on disc and i snagged it um but anyway enormously enjoyed the show if you're one of the other eight people in the world who hasn't watched the show Highest recommendation, uh, it's out there on Netflix, so go check it out. Um, just today, on AMC, Todd's favorite Walking Dead character, Daryl Dixon, finally Dirty has Darryl. his own program, Dirty Daryl. Yeah, so we got the first of, I'm guessing, 10, because 10 is the magic number. So it's out already? I thought it does yeah, it debut today. tonight. 
or today? is it just dropped uh, It could be. I mean, we still have, uh, you know, I was telling you, we had the Stars AMC bundle, which mm. I canceled, but it expires in like a week. So then I'll have ah, to resubscribe okay. to just AMC uh, to see the rest of it. But um, we'd seen trailers for this in recent weeks, but uh, Daryl washes up on the shore in France. He's on top of an upside down rowboat strapped to it. You don't know why. And then he proceeds to go ashore. He's in France. And some things that make France apparently a lot like, uh, you know, the United States or America uh, in this era is that everybody is killing everybody for supplies. There are walkers. But in this case, he walks into a shopping market. Walkers are full of acid. Um, I mean, it's it's nutty. So, Todd, tune in. (laughs) I've heard I've heard I've heard it's like the best thing they've ever done with this character. They said, why didn't they yeah. do anything else with this character after all this time? Because yeah. he was on the show forever. And actually, beyond you know, Carol, not a lot of character development beyond. You yeah, know, he's no I longer Merle's buddy will brother. say that I'm in Merle died a long, long time oh, ago yeah. on the show. Yeah. Um, I will say that this looks to run the risk of the uh, of being kind of a carbon copy of The Last of Us. It's got that okay. same like yeah. he's coming along, you know. He ends up at a he ends up at a convent. There's a kid there. This kid is the Messiah. And even April turned me and said, "Is this going to be another like Messiah kid thing happening?" And I'm like, probably. But you know what? It you know at the very least, and Todd, I'll take a page from your book. It is a different take on an on essentially an undeveloped character in a completely foreign setting, literally. And he gets you know, to shine and, because you don't have to. He doesn't have to. You know. He doesn't have to play second to Maggie or Rick or Michonne or whatever. So yeah, it's worth watching. Um, I do, I do, I do kind of rankle a little at the genericness of the savior bit, but whatever, we'll, we'll see how it turns out. So Todd, do you, you have any intentions of checking this out? I mean, I have a service that's cheap that I can watch it through Philo. It's 10 bucks a month and it gets us like all of the cable channels without sports and news. So I have AMC and I can watch it there. So and it's that, there. That, ha- that has on-demand programming. You can just it does. It. And ultimately okay. an unlimited DVR. So I can go crazy and record DVR. every episode of House Hunters Alaska if I want to. Oh my! Oh, that's a, that's a show that my in laws enjoy. They like the Ice Road Truckers and the uh, the Jules family. What's the one with Jewel the singer? Her family, Alaska oh God. something or other. Yodeling, yodeling yokels. <laughs> I don't know. Cletus Jules has a show. Her family does. Her family what? does. How do I not anyway. know about this? <laughs> Google everybody at Twitter on uh, at, uh, at, at at Todd on X. Let them know. All right, and then finally, <laughs> we went to go see this movie, being like, "Yeah, it's a sequel." We've to- we've totally seen the first one. So we went to go see, this is our first movie of the horror movie season. And again, we're back to the movies because we haven't been in a while. Uh, it was the sequel to The Nun, so Nun 2. Absolutely have not seen the first one because we walked in and I'm like, <laughs> we're like, we okay. <laughs> so it's uh, it's uh, Tacita Farmiga, who we know from American Horror Story. She's a sister, the young, much younger sister of uh, Vera yeah. Farmiga, who is in the, uh, the not The Conjuring. I mixed up The Conjuring and the other one. She, it is the conjuring. Insidious. He, yeah, insidious insidious is Patrick conjuring. Wilson yeah. and Lynn Shay. Yeah. So um, so anyway, uh yeah, absolutely, but it has to do with a demonic possession. You're in it looks like we're in Europe in the 1950s, and you're getting um a Tassa's character who is also a nun, um, and then a male character who she has nun-like feelings for, if you catch my drift, and demonic possession, yada, 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 
um, you get a, um, it's a, you go to a boarding school where one of the teachers is, I realized this, the T the it's a female teacher who has a daughter. The, the young daughter is the main character, but the female teacher was Lucy in the line, the witch in the wardrobe 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah, I know that I was you like, cut. I was like, mm, because she, she's a dark haired girl, very just standout kind of features. I'm like, that's who that is. She had a um, face. She had a face. As opposed to having no face, which it happens. Um, I would say this was pretty average. Tons of jump scares, uh, bloody scary, yada, yada, yada. Not graphically horrible, but um, it was pretty, you know what? It was was not a bad start to um, the spooky season. season. Um, So so it was a prequel, right, though? So you could essentially get on board. No? No, it was a sequel. It was was really pointed out. Was the first one like done in the 30s? No, it was, it was a, immediately prior to this film because it was the same characters. Oh, for some yeah. reason I thought that first one was like in the future and the like, this no, is like you know what, you know what, you might be mixing up because I thought it was good. There was a movie <clears throat> two or three years ago, the, La the Nun, it, yeah, La Llorona, but the Nun itself came out in 2018, which I thought oh, we would have gone to see it, but yeah, the Curse of La Llorona was another Nun movie that came out maybe another Nun horror film. Ago. How many are there? I don't know. Aren't nuns scary? Everybody thinks nuns are scary. Well, I didn't go um, to Catholic anyway. school, but I guess I've heard, tw- I've heard I guess. stories. Yes, indeed. Yeah, my mother is Catholic, so yeah, my mother did go to Catholic school. My son school, went to Catholic school, but they really didn't have mean nuns, so. Yeah, well, you know, this day and age is probably not the case yeah. so much. But. Beating, beating up kindergarten is probably not a smooth move anyways. Exactly. It reminds yeah. you of Kramer, Kramer taking karate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, to wrap this up, I would say very run-of-the-mill. Go see it. Keep your expectations low because it's not really going to blow your mind. So with that, uh, we are out of the Geek Easy Todd time to get out that Air Qantas app. The land down under awaits Hologram Tina and the mutants are waiting for us to entertain with a tale of a film from years back. So let's go. Welcome to another edition of we're sitting in the Thunderdome. The means have been gathered for a topic or game to be entertained. Thank you so much, Tina. You always allow us to uh, do so many good things for you. Um, it's our charity work. We, you know, we went to jail. We had to, you know, uh, for uh, complaining too much. I think <laughs> my my complaints about um, uh, Ron Friend, not Ron Friends, Ron Friends is a good show, friend of the show. Um, some other artists and people, Ron Howard, I think they finally decided to no, throw me in it, uh, it was, uh, in jail. It was your... It was your cavalcade. It was your uh, crusade against Mark Bagley. I think is what uh, really got us. We're me yeah. in hate jail, and we had to get out, so we yeah. had to do uh, public service there. So we go. So um, with that, thank you, Tina, so much, and uh, a public service announcement as well. Um, going back to what we talked about in um, uh, basically our rumors and news. Charlie, I'm listening. Charlie was right. I did research versus Charlie and I both listening to you know podcasts about box office and right. the Flash <laughs> has lost more money than Indiana Jones, but Biggest Indiana Jones uh, still considering how many entries there have been in that series to lose yeah. that much money um, is just really uh, sad for Disney. And it, it hurts me the most because again, yes. you know, Indiana Jones is a project. I I was down on it. I was up on it. And I love it so much. And then to see it fail so hard, it's like, you know, it's like watching one of your own children or in this case, a grandparent. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I, you know, the, I think I, I, I've enjoyed, I enjoyed the last film, but you know what, yeah. you know what? 
um, at this point. We'll see what happens with the Indiana Jones of the future. But you know what, Charlie? Better we're better. not looking forward. We're looking back to not for this week. Uh, this movie called Streets of Fire. This was a yes. movie that I was listening to on, once again, a podcast. 90% yeah. of my information comes through. The We Enjoy podcast, which I talked to you about, Charlie. Which, uh, which we both big, enjoy. We, yeah, we both enjoy. Of, we both enjoy. Exactly. So it's a great, it's a great podcast because they do like the news and things like that, but they also break down movies and things, which is great. And right. one thing they mentioned, I couldn't find the episode, Charlie. I, I'm still waiting to find the episode where they talked about this movie, Streets of Fire. Um, and I'll just give you the breakdown. Streets of Fire, yeah, 1984 American neo-noir rock musical directed by Walter Hill, co-written by Hill and Larry Goss, described in the opening credits as a rock and roll fable. Uh, the film stars Michael Pere, Diane Lane, Rick Moranis, Amy Madigan, Willem Dafoe, E.G. Daly, and Deborah Van Valkenburg. Um, the film was by Universal Studios. And it cost $14.5 million, but only grossed $8 million. There was Whoa. supposed to be a trilogy of these films. And really? Oh, my God. Not. Yes. Oh, yes. my it's, goodness. There's supposed to be like fire and water and like other elements, apparently. Fire and water. Yeah. Meant to make you their daughter. That was uh, uh, not Wilson Pickett. It'll come to me. Yeah. Uh, so I would have not have thought to watch. This. I mean, they talked about this movie in, in their podcast. I'm like, well, it sounds interesting. And it seems like one of those lost gems. So I watched the trailer. And right. I'm like, right. Got, the trailer got me in. I'm like, Charlie, you got to see this thing and we should talk about it. And I, I rented it because it's it is available for rental, but and yes. then of course for purchase, uh, but it does it doesn't stream. So you got to chuck in your you know four whole dollars. Sure. Um, and again, uh, I I think I may have also watched the trailer, um, and you see you know Willem Dafoe as pretty much a proto Green Goblin. Rick Moranis. Um, Rick Moranis. I did. I don't know that I grabbed that from the trailer, but right away I'm like, wow, Rick Moranis. Now I will tell you right off the bat, this came out in the summer of 1984. Uh, other competing films were Ghostbusters, which also had Rick Moranis, but this came out the same day as Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, my favorite Star Trek film, which did five times the business in the same amount of time. <laughs> you were torn, like, what will I see? Yeah, right. At the, you know, you know, we'll put yourself back in the summer of 1984. And Todd, you and I have hotly debated 82 versus 84. I'm on the 84 side. You're on the 82 side. But 84 gave us, we had a Star Trek movie, an Indiana Jones movie. We had Ghostbusters. I'm, I know we had more. I'm just drawing. There were so, so many iconic things that came out that summer. Um, and yes, I know 82 gave us Star Trek 2 and blah, 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 and a lot of other different stuff. Ultra guys. But, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, I had never heard of this film. It is. And again, um, Walter Hill gave us The Warriors. We were already talking about that. Um, and I wouldn't say The Warriors was a great film of my youth, but when I saw it, it really clicked with me. And I'm not going to lie to you. While this film is not technically good, this really clicked with me too. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Now, again, April and I watch almost everything together. So we watched this a week or so ago. Uh, and I think she tuned it out in the same fashion that she tunes <laughs> out the Warriors, which I totally get. Um, but this was great. This was largely filmed in Chicago, which is awesome. So it's kind of a Midwestern vibe. Um, but the L train and the, uh, the, yeah, the, 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 the yeah, feet the, below the, on the streets. Yeah. 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 So lower Wacker drive. You remember, of course, remember from the blues brothers, this is definitely lower Wacker drive. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but the, uh, you know, obviously there were, 
uh, you know, sets and studio work done wherever it is that they, you know, Studio City or somewhere probably in L.A. Um, but the the kind of iconic backdrop in general reminded me of what became Tim Burton's Gotham City, in my opinion. I definitely got those very strong vibes. Yeah, of the very, very stuff. thin. St- I mean, kind of the streets weren't big, so the the, the, yeah. the, the city felt um, full. In a lot of ways, it, um, it also it also had that iconic um, look where at night everything was wet, even though you you didn't see it rain until much the later in sweat, the movie. Charlie, it's a sweaty yeah, city. Every, yeah. Everything everything well, was wet. Fire, so the, 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 yeah, the the sun was never out, so it was always gray. It was yeah. either gray or raining, but not both at the same time because when it was raining, it was brighter. Because and then at night, everything yeah, no was rainbows. Wet. No rainbows, exactly. No, so, no. so um, um, let's let's yeah. talk about what this movie is about. So essentially, this movie is a uh, it, it opens basically a concert is happening. Ellen Aim and what was, yes. the name of, what was the name of her band? Ellen Aim and the the fire fire, the fire. because I have the, the the soundtrack to this available on Amazon. Uh, Prime Unlimited, which is how I get my music, and I'm sure many other, you know, your Spotify and Apple Plus, yes. whatever it is. Um, couple of great songs, a lot of trash, but the first song is called Nowhere Fast. That is what opens the film, and it's great. You see, in this community I was reading, this community is much akin to New York City divided into districts, um, because you see at the end of this, um, you know, just to paint the picture real quick, there's a big concert everybody is there it's like this is the seminal event but then a biker gang comes in they trash things they they snag ellen aim who is portrayed by an extremely young diane lane uh snagged by willem defoe whose character's name i'm forgetting throws uh throws her over his shoulder and they drive off it was raven raven well that's a great bad guy name the uh there is a a character who witnesses this owns a diner uh, portrayed by Deborah Van Falkenberg, who was from The Warriors. She was the the chick, you know, the mall in that film, uh, and also had a very not no- noteworthy appearance in a guest role in Deep Space Nine. Uh, Star Trek, because everything comes back to Star Trek. Everybody knows that. Writes a letter to her brother, who lives in another district. He's in Bayside. Or, it's everything side. It's Seaside, Townside, Upside, Downside. For one of the areas that had a different name, like the the the, the Holdens or something like that. It was the it was oh the the battery is the battery is the place where all the bikers live. So um, she writes a letter to her brother, who is Michael Pere, Eddie of Eddie and the Cruisers, another iconic '80s film, in my opinion, because I watched it growing up. Um, and he is a uh, he's he's the Mandalorian. He is the Mandalorian of this film. He comes back, sees his sister right away in the diner. There's some toughs in there. They're causing trouble. He kicks the shit out of them in like five seconds, steals the, the one dude's car and says, all right, sis, lock Charlie, up. You're, you're, home. You've, you've passed over so many excellent things. Oh, I have please, to let, yeah, let's let's so, hear you know the shit. Go back. Go back. So, yeah. So the opening sequence, the film's called Nowhere Fast. So the, when my first feel of this movie, like I didn't even look at the soundtrack, didn't look at like who did the music because I knew this was going to be heavily music and inspired because it was a rock and roll fable so right. the nowhere fast song when i heard it, i'm like this sounds like meatloaf and bonnie tyler they're like holding out for a hero vibe like you know something else and i looked jim steinman 
wrote a lot of these songs. That's him. Was, That's the Meatloaf guy. Yeah, he's Meatloaf's composer and, and songwriter right. for the most part. So I'm like, oh, this is right. crazy. And the crowd's just clapping and clapping. The band looks like, she looks like she's from like 1980s. The band kind of yep. has that look too. But everybody else is from 1950s and their exactly. apparel, the it's cars. Like there's a, there's so a weird. There's a time dilation from the stage to everything else. It's weird. Yeah, very stylized. So yeah, yeah it's oh, just absolutely incredible. Yeah, the opening so too reminded me of a video game called Double Dragon. You might have played it before, but the opening is essentially a couple street toughs going up to this girl in the street, punching her in the gut and putting her over shoulder, and they walk away. I'm like, they stole opening Double Dragon or Double Dragon they, did. It's exactly it like that. Took from this, I guess. You know, it's just an iconic, uh, iconic uh, lay motif. Now, uh, it's uh, Ellen Aim is Diane Lane's character, the singer. Her yeah. manager is Rick Moranis. No idea who was going to be in this. He is the most one-dimensional character in the entire film, and that's jerk. saying a lot. He is. He's he's a major jackass. He gives everybody sass. And behind the scenes, which I read on IMDb, if you read it from the notes, he was a particular thorn in the side to Walter Hill. Incredibly rude pushy and i'm like rick moranis because i was getting all that strange broom yeah i was talking to april about it and she's like well he's a comedian maybe he was just lippy uh no i said he was genuinely hostile and nasty to the director of this film you know the, the guy the co-creator of this film so that really surprised me because you think of rick moranis as just being very milk toast here's a guy who was a widower he quit the business to raise his kids you thought he's probably a stand-up guy and it sounds like he's walter white you know he's just not a very nice dude so, well, sorry rick moranis. young cocky you know some people very like it so, that when yeah. they're young they could be like oh i'm he a rising that, star don't you know he who had, I am? yeah he had that sc money like you said this was filmed at the same time i assume uh ghostbusters would have been. yeah yeah it came out within that, weeks but, other, it, yeah. but it wasn't like Ghostbusters was happening, like was out and he was a big star when he was right. filming this. So to your point, it's right. like, okay, this is kind of weird. Um, right. I, I did want to say though, on the, the fight with Tom Cody at the, um, the, the uh, cafe is right. the it was a weird fight. Like the guy, like the, 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 the group that comes in, there's a, another um, like gang called the Roadmasters. They ride cars, um, which I thought was interesting because they had the same suits. So it was like feeling like a warrior gang vibe. But yeah, they didn't yeah. continue that because there was only two gangs, the bombers and the roadmasters. Everybody else, right. there were no other gangs. Yeah, but yeah, during so the they, fight, they go that down that yeah. During the fight, so the one guy breaks out a knife and he holds out there, and then uh Tom Cody essentially slaps him and gets the knife. And he says, You want to try it again? He goes, Sure, I'll try it again. And literally the editing shows him slapping him like 18 times. I'm like, oh, you're right. Kind of reminded you of like Mission Impossible 2 in the so John Woo weird. with Tom Cruise flipping around, swinging the gun. It was yeah. kind of that. Yeah. I love it. it. Yeah. I love it how he snatched away the butterfly knife and the butter. If you're watching me, it's the knife, you know, where you go. Yeah, maybe we should take up the butterfly knife. That's yeah. everybody should do that. Oh, I just, I cut off the tip of my finger. It <laughs> <That laughs> always goes well. Tom Cody, oh. Charlie, the way he dressed was very weird. He had a bad mustache, some weird sideburns right. which weren't grown in, and then he right. had basically this look with he always wore suspenders. It was very ragamuffin. Looked yeah, like he had Oliver a, Twist. And yeah. he had a button up like uh, like with no sleeves. Like, 
with no sleeves. It was like a jacket he, over it. It's it was bad business. He didn't understand business casual. Yeah. I guess <laughs> casual. So it was. Uh, uh, that's that's Phil Collins' other album. Uh, no sleeves required. <laughs> it's so weird. It's like I don't uh, know what effort we're going into. And then he's supposed right. to like help out his sister. Um, you know, who's a writer that. And then in her cafe, what does he do? He essentially breaks her front damn window doing the puzzle. Yeah. Like, yeah. doesn't help us. We have no money. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, sis. And then, yeah. Does she own the cafe or she works there? I don't know. It seems I'm like she, it she seems like she it. owns it. But yeah. anyway, he he's going, you know, so uh, Deborah Van Valkenburg is a sister trying to talk. Uh, Eddie and the Cruisers, and I'm just going to call them by whatever the hell name I, I like. Uh, Eddie and the Honors. Cruisers to basically oh, re- rescue uh, Diane Lane and he, uh, their ex-lovers. That was his childhood sweetheart. He's like, nah. I, even though he wrote, Deborah Van Valkenburg got in there by writing him a letter because he lives in one of the other districts and he came home, but then doesn't want to do the thing that she asked him to come home for. But whatever. Obviously, he gets he gets convinced. He's, he's in a bar drinking. He meets Amy madigan who's uh, also ex-military and just a very thinly veiled lesbian early 80s lesbian stereotype yeah she says what was her name it was like it was another it was another one word it was like stock or bill or tough or something (laughs) Um, rick calls her in a second he calls her Uh, her name was mccoy there you go yeah bones we'll just call her bones so anyway uh uh rick moranis being a super dick comes around and it was like hey eddie and the cruisers rescue diane lane he's like fine but amy madigan's coming with me and he's like no i don't want to i don't want to butch what's in this it's just he's just extraordinarily obnoxious um but anyway it, it, it ends up that the three of them are in then get in the then stolen car they drive to the battery um where they end up of course rescuing diane lane and then it turns into the warriors because they have to get back home again yes i i, um, I want to touch on one part you missed charlie which was at the bar where she and cody meet essentially yeah. she we are introduced to bill paxton with a yeah who yeah black acting, yeah and then right. mccoy punches him and says what what do you want to drink and like this yeah, is weird. And it was Bill Paxton before Alien, so this is uh, oh, yeah. and at the same time as Terminator, which was the first because he was one of the th- great bit. He was one of the three punks. The other two punks were uh, actor Brian Thompson, who's been in a million things, including Star Trek, Buffy. The third guy, Rick Rossman, who was also in this film. He was the he was the other cop because there were two cops. So yeah. There's black cop and a white cop. Black cop was the black dude from Poltergeist. And the white cop was the uh, was the love interest in Roxanne that, well, that Steve Martin was talking through. Well, yeah, that's what I was just talking about. Rick Rossman. Yeah, he was in Roxanne. Yeah, right. But he was yeah. one of the other, as I just said, he was one of the other toughs in Terminator. So it's a lot of the, it was like, this was like a who's who of all the same dudes from the There's same so many agent. people in this Be movie. Like, yeah, the agent who helped cast this was like, all right, you got 50 of my people in there. He's the guy who got paid. That's where the $8 million went. Went to the agent who repped all these people because I think it was all the same. So, so anyway, yeah. So my next, so they, they do the big rescue. There's explosions. But you know, Charlie, Raven, we, yeah. we have to go into the the elephant in the room. So Tom Cody needs something to put him apart. And what is that? A 22 pistol 
that apparently has the powers of explosion and like this so it's, it's, like, it's like it's like gi joe right like you can with a handgun you can shoot down or you know a, a rattler shoot down a sky striker apparently and there was like in this anytime he fired it so i mean they're going in there and so tom cody's kind of essentially like a sniper on the rifle yeah. where mccoy's going in breaking in to break right. the girl out which i'm like so she's an army of one well she said she was a soldier so she kept on bringing yeah. that up yeah they yeah. were both soldiers so they they said they were soldiers which is very yes. generic but yeah he was he was obviously he was a sniper of some kind but yeah this rifle he has so all like apparently street toughs do all they do to pass their time is ride their bike back and forth back in an alleyway and do wheelies yep. and so while they're doing this uh you know eddie and the cruisers is shooting them making them blow up it's spectacular um but we still obviously haven't gotten you know the, the big third act fight is clearly going to be a bigger confrontation but we're not there yet no, so um th and there is there is one last confrontation before they leave when they leave uh, willem dafoe comes out in the middle of of these fires he uh basically says where you know he sees tom cody and tommy goes well i got the gun and i'm like great but willem dafoe looks like a cobra charlie he has got the hair like that i he, know he, he was yeah his uniform, his, his outfit, I called it a reverse Zardoz because it's like, um, it's like full down below, but he's got his open shoulders. And it looks like a tank with, no, with with no shirt. Yeah, exactly. So he's Very got yeah, look. and it it looks like it was rubber or plastic or something like that. Um, so we get into they're they're getting home. They have to ditch the car, and it gets a little fuzzy for me at this point. But they end up on a bus with. No, yeah. No, okay. Yeah, yeah they ditched the, the car. They're they're moving on. They ended up needing a place to stay for the night, so they go back to, um, uh, uh, Tom's sister's apartment. They go there. Then they come back and like, okay, we gotta, yeah, we gotta figure. Out. No, actually, that's before. That's before. Yeah, they yeah, go yeah. Off yeah. Hold adventure. on, now, hold on. Yeah. Like I said, they they end up on the bus, and this this is where things well, are pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they end they, up on a bus with, uh, four uh black singers. Kind of their knockoff of either the Temptations, the Four Tops, but he, this is what I love. Now I saw actor Grand Bush, his name in the credits. He is the black uh, Secret Service agent in uh, uh, FBI. Excuse me, the black FBI guy in Die Hard. You have Agent Johnson, and Special Agent Johnson. He's the black dude, and he's been in a lot of other stuff. He was in Walker Texas, not Walker Texas Ranger, some show of that. Oh no, he was in renegade which april and i watched an episode of recently with lorenzo lamas yeah we saw we saw a promo for it in the grand bush but the other one of the black singers this blew my mind robert townsend, townsend. yeah of uh one of before hollywood shuffle came out one yeah it was a couple of years before that but one of my favorite movies growing up was a it was a it was an adaptation of the temptation story called by robert townsend called the five heartbeats i've got it on disc i have always loved the soundtrack and this was potentially the first thing he ever did but he had no speaking role he didn't he didn't really get he didn't get a credit like grand bush and then he had another guys and they sang they had a, some very generic motown sounding kind of songs but then they turn into the bit they have a great performance at the end but i'm I, we're going to talk about when we yeah. get there my favorite line so far of this movie charlie is when uh, mccoy she's the one that essentially rescues ellen she says when she she shoots one guy and then she's luckily she goes guys it's been a slice i'm like what is that line it's so oh my weird God. so weird it's it's funny in the in the as they're walking down the street trying to get to the bus they look and they see like mtv is apparently a thing back then we get a video of sorcerer that's it's uh ellen ames singing sorcerer which was a song by stevie nicks of course oh so my weird God. so that, 
weird is oh i love you I, i'm now i'm reading your notes i love them yeah um the caps with the pantaloons so anyway they're making their way back home i think they they finally get back to the the district which i'm, I'm forgetting which district we're in and it's going to be showdown now raven goes ahead and he's he's talking to poltergeist guy and rick rossvich he says look give me tom cody and i'll walk away we're all good um, and the guy says, well, I'll think about it. And then Cody's homie says, look, you got to get out of here. Cause this guy's coming for you. They're going to kill you. And Cody does the Tom Petty. I won't back down. I'm sticking around. So Raven shows up. Does he show up by himself? No, he brings every friggin', but first of all, Tom Cody managed to not kill all the bikers, which how many of them are there? I mean, he blew a bunch of them up, but there are 50,000 of them. A left. billion of them. Uh, they are, they breed did like we already go over how Tom Cody and, his girl gets back together, Charlie. Yeah, yeah, he comes in. So anyway, the whole deal was Rick Moranis had offered Eddie and the Cruisers like $10,000 to rescue, and then he was going to give 10% to uh to amy madigan and so he he so at the end rick moranis hands him the 10 grand and uh eddie and the cruisers takes nine of it and tosses it back says here's the here's the thousand that i owe uh amy madigan i'm out of here and ellen chases him out and she says why did you blah 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 and it's raining and then they start making out and then they bang and it was like oh you know you just solved it all (laughs) you you, you know it was you can't feel bad for rick moranis because he's being such a dick he's he's billy zane in titanic in this movie he's such such a jackass exactly Um, so so things go awry uh so she wants him to leave he says he's going to but he doesn't and so when he's He's about to leave ground to stop to basically stop uh ellen aim from stopping him this was so bad he punches her and he knocks her, her ass out. Not can't punch Mandy Moore. I mean, by the way, yeah. I, I didn't mention this, but uh, Diane Lee looks exactly like Mandy Moore. Big time. With, That's with why the, I see with, it. I'm like, what? Yeah, with 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 a frizzier wig. There's no doubt about it. So, um, yeah. So, okay, we're getting into the third act. Uh, Raven shows up with his sidekick, and it appears to just be the two of them. But then, snap a finger, and the other fifty thousand uh, bikers show up. All the cops are armed. It's going to be a massive shootout. But no, it's going to be Tom Cody and the Green Goblin. And it's pickaxe fight time. (laughs) Holy shit. It is. Yeah. So we get a good five minutes of questionably choreographed pickaxe fighting there. And then but it's 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 almost like a lightsaber duel because you get the occasional punch in or a kick or a, a block or something. So again, there is some fight choreography of its time potentially. Cause yeah, it's not, it's not to, is, to your point. It's not like John wick, which I know you enjoy very much or, you know, any kind of anything martial arts related. It's just two slugs beating the crap out of each other. Um, yeah. It doesn't yeah. go well and it doesn't go well for Raven, of course. So then yeah. the, oh, he's defeated on the ground. Tom Cody does the, the, the right thing. He walks away, lets him go. Of course it doesn't go away. Raven, old Raven pulls his hijinks and goes after him and they end up in a battle where they're, they're landing on every motorcycle. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. You're right. Just tossing each other back and forth. And I think there's, a, there's a big shootout at the end. And of course the bad guys are driven away. And I, now I'm drawing a blank. Does Raven, well, the, town, start- the town folk all arrive in mass. Right. All and they all guns. have guns. Everybody's got guns. <laughs> this is, this is not sit New York. It's Texas. Everybody's Apparently. got guns. And so, yes. yeah, there's a, there's a big shootout, so yeah, the town folk. Well, really, no battle, no no guns were involved. No? At the end, they just they just held the guns at them, 
And the guy, the the second in command the of Raven, essentially puts him back on the bike. And that gentleman, Charlie, if you remember the Clue movie, that guy played Mr. Body. I don't know who else oh. he was in. He was Mr. Body and Clue. And they drive it. away. They drive away. And we, I guess they will do anything bad again. I get they they learn their lesson. They're gonna go yeah. back and Ed they're gonna go back. Always they're going the right back thing. to the battery and they're gonna build a library. That's what yeah. they're gonna do. Yeah. It's gonna be I did great. like Tom's chosen attire for battling though. He wore uh corduroy pants with suspenders and once corduroy's, again sleeves. Corduroys are very durable. Sleeves cut off. Yeah. Yes, it's good stuff. So um yeah, so then we get to uh we get to the end and it's gonna be uh exactly what you expect. Uh, there's, but of course there's going to be another concert. And when we get into the concert, this is where we get my favorite part. We get the, the four black guys, the, the temptations knockout. I'll say the four tops. Cause there was four of them. There were five temptations. There were four of these guys. They perform one of my favorite songs from the eighties, Dan Hartman's I can dream about you, but there are four black guys and Dan Hartman could not obviously be more of a, of a honky. Um, so you're hearing him singing this. I don't think Dan Hartman had that choreography though. No, because yeah, you're right. He's like moving sidewalks and they're 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 moonwalking when they're saying that, which again, so that's 80s versus you know 80s and L and A and but everybody else lives in the 50s. This, so this is this is kind of like in the nexus of realities, maybe like within like uh the Marvel universe, like it's this takes place in Chronopolis. Got it, got it, Chronopolis, the 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 land ruled by Kang. That's where this takes place. That's why all the time periods intersect. Correct. Yeah. You got and it. So we had that song, but then the showstopper end song is called Tonight is What It Means to Be Young. And this right. song is totally a total eclipse of the heart knockoff. Oh. It goes everywhere. Charlie, but I had to look at the lyrics. I oh see my it. goodness. I see it. I've got a dream about an angel on the beach and the perfect waves are starting to come. His right. hair is flying out in ribbons of gold. His touch has got the power to stun. I've got a dream about an angel in the forest enchanted by the edge of a lake. His body's yes. flowing in the jewels of light and the earth below him starts to shake. My God. And you know what? We're not going to spoil the rest. Um, oh. At the end, at the end, as expected, Tom Cody is going to ride off into the sunset. McCoy is going to come with him. Um, he tells, uh, he tells Rick Moranis, hey, you know what? She, you know, Rick Moranis says, I'm not going to stand in the way if you and Diane Lane want to get together. He's like, he, she's better off with you, blah, blah, blah. And then Diane Lane comes up and says, I still I still want you to come with me. And she's like, what am I going to do? Carry your guitars or something? Like he's like really playing. He's a tough guy. He's playing it off. But he says, hey, if you ever need me, I'll be around. And then he and, McCoy, he, he and McCoy, yeah, send me a postcard. He and McCoy get in the stolen car. Did they get the same stolen car back? Did they like send somebody to get yeah, it? Yeah, or? yeah, I believe they have the same car. Yeah. So they jump in and they're like, hey, it's like the end of Blazing Saddles. Nowhere special. I've always wanted to go there. <laughs> Rolling credits. There we yeah. are. Oh, oh my goodness. This I is quite will, the movie, Charlie. I will absolutely purchase this film because I. We'll watch it just for a giggle. I have I have a little tradition, and uh, our mutual friend Missy, uh, friend of the show and frequent contributor, often when I'm in a hotel room, I'll message her and I said, "Hey, give me a stupid movie to watch. I need to unwind because I'm on the road." And I'll watch something moronic. This will now be added to the rotation for the future. Boom, love it. There you go. Love it. Um, 
but just to let you know, like I said, there were supposed to be three of these films, did not go well, um, oh, did not perform. Lord. And so apparently there was a movement to make a sequel that was not vetted by the studios. No one had the rights. So they essentially made a spiritual sequel called Road to Hell, where it included both Michael Pere and Rebecca von Valkenberg. Deborah, Deborah von Valkenberg, the sister. Correct. And it's essentially a sequel many years ahead where apparently Ellen Aim did have a child and Ellen died and now her daughter's following her footsteps, but Tom and, never knew. But it's Tom's daughter. You didn't mention that. I assume it's what's in. Well, they had a cot anyway. kid. Yeah. Now, now his daughter is right. basically becoming a rock star, but she did not know Tom or wasn't Tom wasn't involved in her life. Right. So apparently he's being called back to help her. We don't know right. what the, what the, who's after again. Maybe it's Raven's kids. And it's like, we don't, you know. is that like baby's kids? Sure. Uh, <laughs> Potato head kids. Um, I don't know. But uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I'm drawing a total blank. This um, trailer this, is great. Lots of great oh, green yeah. screen. <laughs> it, this trailer is, there's green screen throughout. Except when you see her on, the, the the girl on stage. <clears throat> no, or when he's walking down the real streets of Chicago. They have that with a real yeah, Oh, I, no, I think it was, I think they shot, it looked like it was shot in Vegas because it kind of had a Vegas vibe. Sure. They were out in the desert. Um, but the road to hell, what that, um springs for me is in eddie and the cruisers if you watch that film at the end of it eddie and the cruisers final album when he disappears was called a season in hell see the connection michael yeah. perry yep i don't yeah yeah, my, yeah it's i i love michael perry did not go on to have much of a much of a success he was he in some good still yeah I, I he was in a little bit here a little bit there but really never took off but classic tough guy yeah. you know yeah definitely yeah. eddie and the cruisers and then and then yeah tom cody Good yeah. stuff. So we'll, we'll see, you know, it's, it's a shame that this didn't do well. Obviously, I kind of can tell why it didn't well. The acting wasn't good. Um, right. the, the script didn't make a lot of sense. It was a tight 90, so it doesn't take yeah. up too much of your time, which is fine. Yeah. And there's a soundtrack, which was of the 80s. When you had a movie, the soundtracks were typically big, and it did have that one standout song. The rest of the songs, we'll see. You're right. Yeah, we had we had the the first song and the last song, and then the Dan Hartman song, and the rest of it. I was saying on the soundtrack, the the one of the artists, his name is Rye, is it Kudner, and he was part of that um, Asbury Park, you know, Jersey Shore, uh, Bruce Springsteen, and the E Street Band, Southside Johnny, you know, kind of that late seventies or early eighties blast. I think, unless I'm getting it wrong, at me on X if I'm he wrong. He was he was a he was like a lifelong musician, so probably and his yeah. the song in this that he performed on stage because he they had, I guess plenty had a house band for Ravens. Uh, uh, oh, right, they had a house band in the yeah in the in the battery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, his, he did the song "One Bad Stud," which is one bad came stud. off a little weird. To be honest. I don't know what was bad about it and kind of made me feel uncomfortable. But anyway, um, <laughs> this movie I would say on a scale of appreciating it ironically. 10 ironic 10 um i'll give this movie a four out of 10 and one i, I i'm giving it credit for having some heart <laughs> yes yes a lot of heart bonnie tyler's heart yes. shape of the heart sideways yes. heart anyway so it looks, looks oh, like that, heart. that was fun but again available for rental uh, or purchase um across amazon fandango voodoo what have you uh i would like i said i would recommend it it's fun um and yeah i enjoyed doing this we should do more of this kind of stuff i'd, I'd like this as kind of a go-to let's watch an old movie and just tear it up but let's do it in the spirit of fun let's not get too serious this was perfect for that so all right Absolutely. well with that that is the end of the program todd where do people find you out there 
Uh, they can follow me on Twitter. I'm still just going to keep calling that. Um, on Twitter at Tioxtra. It is the time of sports. Getting into that. Having a lot of fun. A lot of video games going on, so I'm talking about that. And Oop. just enjoying uh, the, the senior year of my son. So I'm going to probably have a lot of pictures to share because that's a once-in-a-lifetime nice. experience. Good deal. All right. Well, I am also over on X Twitter. I'm at the C3. Go ahead and spell it out. I spend a decent amount of time there. But also a lot of my time is dedicated to the USS Grand Petoskey. That is a chapter of the International Star Trek Fan Club that my wife and I run. We're here in West Michigan. We're one of the biggest chapters in the world. We're very, very active on our Discord. We're also super active in our community. We just did a tabletop gaming show here in Grand Rapids where we raised $200 for Make-A-Wish in Michigan, which is our chosen charity, which I do in the name of my late son. You can find us uh, in uh, at that website if you'd like to interact here in West Michigan, but I also run Region 13, which is Michigan and Eastern Canada. And we are always looking for great new trekkers to do great new trekking stuff. So drop us a note. And with that, I'm going to tell you, as always, first of all, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trucking. Be the hero, not the villain. In a truck. Guys, it's been a slice. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server. Or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.